Hi, and welcome to another broadcast of Faith Life with Pastor Earl and friends. Once again, we're delighted that you have joined us as we study God's Word today. We're studying the book of the Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of Jesus. We have learned in chapter 1 all about the glorified Jesus, chapter 1. Chapters 2 and 3, the present church age in which you and I are living in, chapters 2 and 3, and we have gone through several of the churches. We said that these were actual, literal, local churches in the land of Turkey, modern-day Turkey, or it would have been called Asia Minor, And these particular churches were a postal route made in a circular form. We looked at Ephesus was the one that had left her first love. Her name meant desirable. Smyrna, the church age of suffering, A.D. 100 to 300. Pergamus, when the church and the world married and lost a lot of effectiveness, in A.D. 300 to 500, Thyatira, the Church of Continual Sacrifice, A.D. 500 to 1500, the church in what is known in history as the Dark Ages. And then we saw Sardis, the Church of the Reformation, A.D. 1500 to 1700. On today's broadcast, we'll be teaching you from Revelation chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, about the church of Philadelphia. Philadelphia means lover of brother. There was a particular um, leader during the time, a king, Eumenius, and he named this city after his brother who was referred to as Atalus Philadelphos. And so that's how they got the name of Philadelphia in honor of this king, naming it after his brother who he loved. So Philadelphia, the church of brotherly love. And this is a church where Christ is going to give some incredible words and Christ commends this church Don't you want Christ to commend you as a Christian for how you live your life? Christ is not some legalist where he's concerned about how you part your hair or um, all those kind of minor things. Christ is concerned about primarily our heart and whether we are true, loyal disciples to Jesus and to his word. So we're going to get into Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 7 in just a moment. But I want you to know today how much he loves you. And here's a beautiful song by Crowder Band called How He Loves Us. Bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. 
song is for you today. He loves you. He really does. That song is for you today. Jesus truly loves you. And if you are not yet his child, he wants you to turn from the life you're living and turn toward him with all of your heart. Repent of your sin, receive him as your savior, and you will become a child of God, an object of his love. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Custom Construction. You need a new home built, a deck, an addition, anything, call Will Shockey. He will make sure that you get a beautiful job at a fair price. His number is 443 791-4420. That's Will Shockey. Well, as we open our Bibles today, and we're looking at Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, 
Christ speaking to the seven churches. But let's look at it a little deeper. He's talking to the people within the churches, to the pastors of the churches. So if Christ was speaking to you today, imagine if you had a one-on-one conversation with him at a coffee shop somewhere. I wonder what he would say if you asked him, Lord, how am I doing as a follower of Jesus? Let's listen to these words. Chapter 3, verse 7, the book of the Revelation. And unto the angel, that's Agelos, the pastor of the church in Philadelphia, write. And so this is Christ giving these words that says, These things saith he that is holy. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.15, Be holy, for I am holy. He is without sin. Now, we are not without sin, but he does expect us to try the best we can in the power of the Holy Spirit to resist evil, resist sin, and live a holy life. There should be a marked difference between us and the unbeliever. He that is holy, he that is true. In holiness, we see his character. In true, he's the one that you can believe what he says. There's not many people left in the world that you could say they are holy and they always speak the truth, but our Lord does. He that hath the key of David, he has all authority. He is sovereign. He is a supernatural Jesus, and he is in control, even though much of the world is out of control. It's like the ocean in the depths of the sea. There's calmness, though there may be waves above. That's the way it is in God's administration. There's calmness, though there's chaos in this particular world. But our Lord has the key of David. Some say this is a reference to Isaiah twenty-two, twenty-two, when David's treasurer, Eliakim, had the key to all of the treasures, all of the wealth of the kingdom. And here, Jesus is the one that has all authority over everything and over our possessions over our uh, precious things, our prosperity. So never forget that. He's got the key of hell and of death in chapter 1 and verse 18. But I think the primary idea here is he has ultimate authority. And then it says this, because you're wondering about your own life, and you're looking for perhaps an open door of life or ministry or change. And it says, he is the one that openeth and no man shutteth. That's why you don't have to live with all kinds of anxiety about your job, your career or anything, because if you have submitted your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, Then let the Lord open doors for you and shut doors. 
There was an old country song sometime back, I believe it was by Garth Brooks, called Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. If we got everything we asked the Lord for, it wouldn't always be good for us. So thank him when he does shut doors and thank him when he opens doors. Verse 8, here comes Christ's commendation. I know thy works. You're hardworking people. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. Many believe this was a reference just to the location of Philadelphia. It had a highway that led to Rome, and then there was also a highway that led to the east, to Susa, or the area of Persia. And so it was strategically located. He says, I've set before you an open door. No man can shut it. They were a church with great opportunity. People all around them coming in and out from all over the world. In our city, the city of Baltimore, where I live, we have the same opportunity. We have people from all nations, kindreds, and tribes. And as we reach one of them for the, with the gospel, then that can affect an entire nation. Imagine you leading the next young Billy Graham to Jesus Christ. It could happen. I had some low pressure in my tire, my truck tire, and I was down in Baltimore City, and I pulled up to a place where there was some air, and there was a young, like, homeless-looking couple that was there, and the young man offered to help me with my tire, and I gave him all the change that I had, and then I gave him a little card that I share the gospel with, and his name was... Sasha. And I said, oh, that's not a name from around here. He said, I know I'm Russian. So you see, we can reach people from all around the world if we'll simply share the gospel. So it says Jesus is giving them um, the fact that he has all authority, but he says he wants to commend them. He says, you have a little strength. Now, the Lord wasn't demeaning the strength that they had. He says, look, you've still got a little strength. You've got some strength. Use that strength, he says, and you've kept my word. Are we people that have deviated so far away from the word of God where most churches you go into and you don't even hear the word of God taught anymore? But he says, you're someone that's kept my word. Not somebody that just carries a Bible, but has the word of God saturating their heart, their life, and affecting their behavior because of their belief system in the word of God. He says, you've kept my word and has not denied my name. In this day and era, the culture is so anti-Christ Let's determine like our first century believers that we will be faithful to Jesus and loyal to Jesus. We'll be like John the Beloved who was loyal to Jesus and we won't be like Judas who was disloyal to Jesus and betrayed him. 
Are you more like Jesus or are you more like Judas? It says in verse 9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. There's nothing more wicked, and this is not some anti-Semitic statement. There's no, nothing more wicked than religious people who are there under cover, as it were. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. And he said there are some that are religious people. They're not of the synagogue of God. They're of the synagogue of Satan. And he says they're just lying. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet. It may look right now like you're being crushed by the enemy. You're being crushed by religious people even. But I'm here to tell you that those same individuals will one day realize that you were the real deal. You were a genuine Christian. And like Joseph's brothers who threw him into the pit, one day they had to come and they had to ask for bread from their brother. And so here in the word of God, I just think this is so good. He says, they're coming worship before thy feet. God is a great reverser. You might be looking right now like an injustice has been um, hurled into your life. God can reverse that curse. It says, and to know that I have loved thee. Well, we're going to have to take this teaching in two parts on Revelation because it's so good. In verse 10, he says, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, you've been true, you've been faithful, and you have guarded, that's what the word kept means, you guarded very carefully the word of my patience, and patience is they, remember, remained under with a beautiful attitude. He said, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, not tribulation and trial itself, but from a distinctive time. This is talking about the seven-year tribulation that is coming upon this earth. But we as believers, true believers, will be raptured before this time. The word says, I'll keep you from the hour of temptation. The Greek word is ek, out of, the hour, definite article of temptation, which shall come upon all the world and to those that dwell upon the earth. Like I said, there's more material that we'll share in the next teaching on the Church of Philadelphia, the Church of Brotherly Love. In the last days, there will be two types of churches or two types of believers. There'll be those that keep the word of God, that stay true to Jesus, and then there will be those like Laodicea that are lukewarm. If you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior, pray this prayer with me, dear Lord. I realize that I am a sinner 
and I repent of my sin and I receive you as my savior today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're a believer, you've gone away from the Lord, now would be a great time to return to the Lord, return to God's house, and he will bless you. This is Pastor Earl for Faith Life with Pastor Earl and Friends. If you would like to contact us, then please use my email, charisman, C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A-N, 1234 at gmail.com. Perhaps you have a prayer request. Perhaps you'd like to help underwrite this ministry and the growth of it and the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me know something by email and I will respond to you. God bless you. This is Pastor Earl saying, I love you.